You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Alon. This is Jimmy. It is time to get embarrassed. And it is time to infect humanity. Let's do it. Cannot produce fast enough. Alan. <laughs> My name is Alan. Welcome to Lost and Rewound, everybody. This is the show where we uncover your tapes, your artifacts of audio variety of yesteryears, because that's what we're here to do. We want to be your purveyors of the old and be able to bring it all full circle, you know? Yes, that was a really succinct way to explain. Thank you. I've been trying. I've been practicing in the mirror before recording, and hopefully it has paid off. Yes. <laughs> so this show, we are diving into the past. Just like when you look up into the sky and you see a star, you're not really seeing that star. You're, you're just You're just seeing the, the, the ancient dead star that died. Millions of eons ago. Well, yes, it's true. It's that the ancient prophecies do say something, and you have to pay attention to the signs, y'all. Yeah, so we are again listening to old tapes of yesteryear. And if you want to contribute to our great cause of keeping the show alive with financial ease, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. That's our patron page where we accept donations of $1, $2, $5, $10, any amount of money at all that you feel is an appropriate amount to give to RFB. You can also contribute to Radio Free brooklyn.com slash lar that's to sponsor our show to sponsor just us like a nascar team you know being, yeah. you can have your brand or your name all over us right? on, our, on our cars on <laughs> not our jackets quite. not 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 on my golf cart <laughs> it'll be right next to reese's yo we gotta go on a golf outing sometime though dude I'm telling you. I, I would definitely throw down at least two hundred dollars on the dumbest golf outfit i could possibly get you would i would be the best i want to look exactly like ronnie dangerfield <laughs> so that's the point. you'd be the young thinner ronnie dangerfield no i gotta get fat for it <laughs> and i gotta somehow bug my eyes out but we'll make it happen we'll make it happen we'll make it happen in the meantime let's get started and let's see what we got for this week on to the show
the studio, we've got my man, Mr. Samuel C., star of Stage and Stage and Stage. Stage and Stage and Stage. Yes. He, I've known this guy for a few years now. Uh, great comedian. Just did Cinderblock Comedy Festival. Pretty mm. amazing stuff. Yes, sir. And again, this guy... Samuel Z. Welcome, welcome. Hey, welcome, Sam. what's going on, you guys? Is oh. it Samuel? I just I know you're Sam Z, but I just... You know, it's funny. Usually people, when I tell them that it's Samuel, they'll do the opposite. They think that it's Sam. So nobody really wants to give me what I want. <laughs> Did you like Samuel more as a youngster? Or... I, I really don't give a shit, is the, is the fact. <laughs> I, I, is the fact of it. It's just like sometimes you want to change it up a little bit, but nobody... People just want... People call you Sam. People call you Sam or they call you Sam I am. That's about all. Yeah, I think Sam is one of those names that's so fun to say that people just like to do Sam, Sam, Sam. different like yeah. bits. Sam, 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 Sam. I get the same thing with Jimmy. No, actually, I, I, maybe I used to get annoyed uh, with it, but no, I, I don't. I don't anymore. I don't get annoyed. I, I really, I will, I will be called shitface, and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's my name. If someone wants to call me that, I, I really uh, don't care. You must that's have noticed the, the brown streak. <laughs> <laughs> um, people fuck up with Jimmy. They like, oh my god, Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo. It goes so oh, yeah. much deeper than that. Yeah. I don't know if he's put this in his routine. <laughs> it should have been that. You should have told the teacher. Well, I would like to be called Jimbalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingalingaling
What was uh, junior year of high school? Uh, you mean like my nickname, or what do you if, think? Did you have a nickname in junior year? If, uh, fuck no. I I mean, <laughs> if you're counting aim uh, nicknames, yes. But like that was the place where it was like you you um, if you had a nickname, you were lucky. But if you didn't, then you'd like try to get people to call you your aim name, and it just never worked. Um, <laughs> I, I, that would have never worked. For mine me. <laughs> mine was mine was super nerdy. It was Agent Z sixteen. Um, that doesn't sound like a hacker at all. No, it didn't. It, I, and I wasn't. Uh, uh, maybe accidentally. Maybe like in war games. But uh, no, I... War games. <laughs> that movie is so were, good. Were the letters uh, like different uh, in terms of lowercase and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ca- it was a, a uppercase. I was, I was a little turd. Like I was, I was really obsessed with like, like grammar and language and that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know if you can tell by the way I talk. But uh, like a, a capital A... G E N T. I wasn't all for the like lowercase letters, mm-hmm. um, and then a capital Z for my last name, and then sixteen because I was a sexy sixteen-year-old. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to know. Yeah, you could, you this could, boy. You can tell by the way I talk. <laughs> tell every bear in the Jungle Book that I am ready to clown around with those bear necessities. So if if everyone likes. The bear, then. What's the deal with the tiger? There must be something. Shere Khan? Shere Khan? Because they're really afraid of him. Shere Khan? Uh, Shaka's brother. <laughs> the- uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what's, what's the deal with the tiger? Well, the tiger, we mean, he's just an asshole. He's just a, a he's complete villain. Yeah. yeah. I know, I'm just trying to write him into the sexual jungle book. Oh, you, no. You, dude. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I see what you're saying. He, he'll be like a Marquis de Sade. Well, you know oh, what the, no. You know what Dizzy's doing now is they're doing all these movies now where they give the backstories of all of the villains, right? They made the one with Angelina Jolie as Maleficent, and mm-hmm. they made... Um, and I think they're doing with one with Ursula, which I'm really excited about, too. Ooh. Yeah, and, and uh, Tr- Cruella de Vil is going to be uh, Emma Stone. They did do a 101 Dalmatians live action, and yes. they had Glenn Close and play. she was fantastic mm-hmm. as Cruella de Vil. But, mm-hmm. the, but can you imagine Emma Stone as young Cruella de Vil? I just, nope. like, I can't wait for that. I, I want to uh, I, I see it. I, I really want to see that, yeah. I want to see, like, a Jafar... <laughs> Starring you would the be guy. a great Jafar. I could do a Jafar. You could actually. totally do a Jafar. I could. I could totally pass for anything. People might think you're gay for like four years afterwards because Jafar <laughs> is like super gay. I feel like I, I want him to be the guy from Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. He's also in The Mummy. Like that guy yeah. would be. <laughs> Diamond in the rock. You were you were into Disney films a lot when you were younger. Oh yeah, of course, of course. As like, um, I grew up with an older sister, and then um, I have a younger sister too. So the, we never stopped watching Disney films. It you was were just, the, we had all the tapes. We had all, everything. Yeah. Pause one second. You were the middle child in with and to get a younger sister and an yes, older sister. Sir. Yes, sir. Tell Explains me, the pink hair. <laughs> no judgment there, but I must admit, I I think this might be one of the first times that on this show with any iteration that we've come across a middle child. Personality-wise, how did that affect you in the household? Everyone thinks I'm gay. (laughs) You you guys can't see his face (laughs) because we're on the radio. Actually, I've never been more sure of being straight than this weekend when Elsa Waite, fantastic comedian, I love her to death, she's fantastic, and she doesn't know me that well, but she came up to me she overheard that I was I was talking to uh, another comic about not being I'm, I'm not gay, and she looks at me. And she goes, looks me dead in the eye. And she goes, Sam, Sammy, baby. <laughs> she says, How long have I known you for? A couple of years. I've been in the scene. Okay. This entire time, you have not been gay. And I said, No, no. She goes, All right. Vindication, I think. I just when a, a black lesbian woman stares you down and says, "Are you sure that you're not gay?" and if at that moment you don't crumble and you just stand your ground, 
Then you are. Then you're whatever you say you are. You're You're whatever you say you are. This whole time. (laughs) You mean that time you came on stage naked with a banana in your butt? You were straight then too. Was was comedian Sam born out of the household in Massachusetts? Yes, one hundred percent it did. And I can tell you where it came from exactly. Before you know, we, none of us really know what a comedian is. None of us, when you're growing up, you're like you sort of see people we, on we stage. Still right. We Evid- still don't. Evidently, there's a difference between a comic and a comedian now in 2016. Right. I, I still do. I say comedian because I'm a pretentious motherfucker and I like using <laughs> big words. But um, but really, nobody knows what a comic or a comedian is. You just see people on TV and oh, that's funny. But then you, you start to realize over time. But when I started out. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. It was it was all about you know watching on um, in those days in Nickelodeon they would show old reruns of Looney Tunes, and there was nobody that I wanted to be more than Bugs Bunny. He could put on a dress and he could put on an accent or he could put on you know make his ears different types of hair. He could be whatever he, he was wanted. Versatile. He could have, versatile. He could do whatever he wanted, and I wanted whatever that was. I wanted that spark. And to me, it didn't make sense that he was a cartoon and I was not a cartoon. I just wanted to find out some way to get that same aura. I always identify with Daffy. Does that mean that I have a defeatist oh, attitude? It's pos- <laughs> very, very possible. Very, very like possible. every time that Daffy wouldn't get it done, I'd be like, "Man, goddamn it, Daffy!" It'd be the same thing with uh, with Wiley E. Coyote. I was like, "Can you just catch the Roadrunner like one it, time?" It like, is the eternal they, struggle. They, it really is watching those shows. It's just it's about humanity. It's the, those shows are nothing to do with animals. It's, I, it's humans. I swear to God, though, that all the Looney Tunes cartoons are put into either two categories. Either there's the hapless always you know getting it getting hurt or there's the always hurting other people mm, yeah that's i think true. That, that that was the trope. creator that was, destroyer theory exactly. i mean that's that's pretty yeah that's pretty yeah, but, i think but, that's bugs, true yeah. bugs did both though bugs would get blown up and bugs would blow people up barely though i feel like he was always on the upper hand almost always no there's plenty of times where bugs would get his like his little whiskers fried off or something certainly there were but oh i mean like he the would opera, do it for sure he would do it in the way that he was going to win at the end yep mm. yep and he but something would happen where he'd like um he'd create this whole elaborate scheme to blow up elmer fudd or something like that and elmer fudd would get blown up and then he'd like get maybe a little singed or whatever like that he'd be like well who needs whiskers anyway and he'd just walk away or whatever i, I had this like reveal that a lot of people don't know that Mel Blanc said he's doing a mixture of a Brooklyn and a Bronx yes. accent. Right, right. And I'm like, yeah, what do you think? Like, the, eh, what's up, yeah, yeah, like, What do you think that is? <laughs> like, people say that all the time, except that they're trying to, like, steal your wallet instead right, of, like, right. blow you up with dynamite. Right, right, right. <laughs> and they love carrots in the Bronx. They just, <laughs> everyone's going around with a carrot in his hand, just walking around. Well, and they're cigar- just looking, looking for all them bunnies. Blunts or cigars basically get replaced with carrots. <laughs> Oral oh fixation. Oh, my so God. Carrot. Can you imagine if, like, all the time he was just smoking? I know that everybody smoked in those smoke. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. But if it was just this, this the most popular cartoon and just, just always had like a cigarette in his hand. I just like, all right, kids, how are you going to break free from this? Well, I'm in your dreams. They, they, the well, cold clasp of nicotine was, around your throat what was for the, your entire life. What was the name of the gangster? Was it Bugsy was his name? Bugsy. Oh, I and loved he, Bugsy. Shit. Ship. I love that guy. Oh, but he had I, a cigar. I did it, but I did it, but I did it, but I did it, but he's in the other room. He's in the other room. I lo- oh, God. That, that, I forgot about those guys. Those guys were great. He had a cigar, though, because if you yeah, smoked right, in did. the cartoons, it was synonymous with being a villain. Yeah. So you yeah. couldn't get away with There's doing that as Sam a smoked, protagonist. Yeah. They have a great act with um, with Bugs. Bugsy and I think the, the big guy, there's a whole thing where they... You know, it starts off with the, um, the you, you hear the sirens and uh, there, there's a jailbreak and they, you know, hole up in a hotel or something like that. But Bugs ends up, um, one of the great things about Bugs, he can end up anywhere because he's a, he's a bunny and he, he's got the, the hole. He can make a hole wherever he wants and come up. It's like metaphysical. It's great. That's true. And so he, he creates a hole. You just see the hole coming through and he comes in. He's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, how I feel about this. It's actually the first time you sort of feel that 
Bugs is up against a force that maybe he can't control. The mob! Like, he's, he's <laughs> like if you fuck with these guys, you're gonna, you've got, like, an entire... Doesn't, doesn't he fight Hitler at one point? <laughs> no, there are... we talk about the That's Daffy That's Dogs. Daffy. Daffy. Yeah, we, okay. we talked about it earlier. There's a Porky cartoon as well. There's a Porky cartoon with um, that involves Hitler, I believe. So the thing is so... I believe it does. Know. I don't think it's fighting Hitler, but it involves Hitler. Like, there's a Hitler reference. Yeah. Look at it. Check me on it. Yeah, I, no, I remember that. I might I be full of shit. I'll have to look See, the thing home. about Daffy is you think that he would get into water and he would all of a sudden, like, be invincible, but he's right. just even worse. Worse in water. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> and he always like loses his, his, his like somehow his, his feathers will come off like shorts. Right, right, like, right, naked, right, right. His right. naked like duck butt. Will oh, come that was out. such a good gag. Well, I saw that and I was like, I want to take off my human skin. I want to see what's underneath there. So what, what kind of humor did you have when you were starting out as a comedian? When did you have your first set? I tell people that I'm three years in because that's when I moved to New York City. But truth be told, my first comedy set was in middle school, right around the time of the recording that we're going to be listening to later. Uh, my first comedy set was in middle school, and I'll tell you, I had 15 minutes, and it was at a talent show, and it was the biggest audience I performed to ever, and I bombed. Like, I totally just <laughs> ate it. I ate the AstroTurf. It was, uh, I, you, I remember you, to the You learn so much more from the bombs than you do from succeeding. Did but like, you throw out, or did you save your first set? You know, obviously, you probably were writing it down, and you had it all written down. No, to I'll, tell you, it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I, again, as I said, I didn't know what a stand-up comedian was at that point. I knew that there was like a thing such as going on stage and jokes and that you could call yourself a stand-up comedian, but I didn't know how you would get to the point of writing jokes. So I stole every word. I stole every single word. I just, I, I, well, I mean, I was a little bit on, you know, everyone's a little bit on spectrum, but my particular brand of spectrum was that I would memorize jokes. I'd memorize jokes for people who would tell them. And I told some of those jokes and I, they were street jokes, you know, like one of them that I remember telling stupid, uh, mushroom that goes to the bar and he says, uh, Hey, can I have a drink? And there's mushrooms here. Why not? I'm a fun guy. Stuff like that. But like, <laughs> stu- hor- like can you imagine like a little That's kid? Genius. You imagine a little kid saying that to an you entire auditorium kid. of kids and they just don't get it. It's they chutzpah. just don't like it. That's what, that's what we call chutzpah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I know what a fun guy was in seventh grade. They taught me that shit. So I should have gotten that joke. It's like only one person laughing at the audience. It's like your biology teacher who's just like in the back. Fun like, guy! Ah! 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 Oh, my God, Sam! Is my biology teacher That's Sam Kenison? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Run, I, run I it, run your it. biology teacher was a quiz. Was, was was really like a maniac. A pull, we got to pull together, y'all. We got to pull together. Go on, continue, Sam. So that was my first stand-up set. Was a, just a total train wreck, and uh, I left that experience, but I didn't give up. I mean, I think it was like years later that um, at summer camp I, I performed in uh, some stand-up, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. What the summer camp? Yeah, tell me about the summer, summer camp. Yeah, because I mean, you could probably get away with it because you're not going to see these kids for no. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, so that's when I first started writing jokes. That was almost worse thing. Why because, was that worse? Well, because so I would write my jokes, right? And I was not a popular kid at school. But the reason that you go to summer camp is to find your tribe. I, that's what I truly believe. If you can't find your tribe at school, then your parents send you away in the summer to find a different tribe. And that's where I found my tribe of kids, and I was popular for the first time in my life. For the first time ever in my life, it took me, you know, 16 years to get there, but I finally did it. That was an experience, though, where, you know, I started writing my jokes, and almost worse than bombing is hearing people laugh when you don't think that they should. So going going up on stage with material that I was maybe 50% confident in, but I was still kind of cocky because I was like, oh, these guys love me, and I hope I never do that again. That was another lesson where it was like, compared to starting out, stealing jokes and not having them work and then writing my own jokes and having them go over really well but thinking, I don't know if that was as good as you thought it was. You know, hearing people just go, ah, ha, 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 ha,
<laughs> worse than worse than the fucking biology teacher is the guy who's like, yes. Sometimes you, you, you have to just sort of pretend that people either like you or will entertain you. Yep. Because I did the same kind of thing yep. in the day in the day camp that I went to uh, this YMCA camp called Siwakamano. It wasn't like a consistent thing, but I do remember one summer. I was very much influenced by the top 10 list that David Letterman had. And the only reason I knew about them was because they would re-air uh, the next morning on my local radio station. Those were station. great. I was obsessed with those, too. We had a book of them that a kid passed around to school. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch late night TV, but I read the book. Like, the book was fantastic. Every yeah. day, every yeah. day, or maybe once a week. Again, I don't remember the consistency, but I recently found these. I shit you not, I saved about maybe eight of these. You wrote these. them yourself. Of these top ten lists that I would read at the end of the camp days that were camp-centric top ten lists. Oh, no. Like, top ten reasons why Camp Siwakamano is awesome, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, they would be funny and they would be very geared towards the camp and, like, inside jokes, et cetera, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right, 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 right. And there, some people would laugh. Yeah. And sometimes people wouldn't laugh, but I knew because of the age range that I had to keep it real PC. Yeah, my, my voice is still hurting from that laugh. Is it one? That no, has got, nothing to do with what I just did. I know, I'm just, I'm just messing with Asshole. you. Asshole. No, no. <laughs> no, but I was going to say... Um, back to, a back fake to fucking what... laugh, dude. Don't <laughs> fake fucking laugh! I actually, I had one show where I seated an audience, and it was like half my people's. And my material was like the most... You know, practice stuff I'd done, and I was like maybe a year into the game, yeah. and it was one of the better shows I ever did. And I was always thinking afterwards, and I'm saying, oh, how much extra did I get? Yeah, 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 for sure. But that, but again, you, this is one of your first sets, and you were just doing, you just started, right? So, right. But if we do a room and we've got 15 people in it, and then we get five people like going, yeah, you're doing well, man. Yeah, 100. percent If you have a room of 2,500 people and 250 people laugh, yeah, you hear those 250 people laugh. Yeah, right. The deal is we don't have a gigantic room where you can hit and like select parts of the audience and have it bring everybody else around, and they didn't come to see us. You know, when you go to a comic and you've, got, you've known the guy for years and he can say something that's sort of funny, but you love him. Yeah. So he's that's that much really funnier. interesting. You just love that's him. really, really interesting. So all of a sudden he's just like, you're ready to laugh. Yeah. You're into it yeah. already. Yeah. The clip that you brought, yeah. though not audio explicitly, the audio is clearly the more important part. <laughs> and, it certainly uh, is. And obviously enough of an integral part of the clip because it is in fact a video. And it is a video of you performing in a middle school musical. You were 14? I want to say the time of this filming, I was 12. Yeah, middle school. You were 12? Was 12 years old. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 7th grade. It was 7th grade. Yeah. And it was My Fair Lady, and you were cast as Alfred P. Doolittle, the That's father it. of the main character. I can't say that I am completely familiar with My Fair Lady. So if you How could... How dare you, sir? <laughs> but I you know... You need to go and learn your well, piece of I know, I know, Higgins! I know the songs. I, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with some of the songs. I just, for what it may be worth, I've never seen the movie. And At any rate, my... Listen, you're a straight man. It's totally fine. I was going to say you're not missing much. If, if not my straight. wife was here, she could tell you all about it. She loves that movie. Yeah, yeah. you're not missing much. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> I disagree with you. I love that movie. I'll watch that movie right now.
Did you I'll leave here right now and watch that did movie? Did you watch the movie uh, in preparation oh, for your one hundred percent? Yeah. Had you seen it before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You had. Um, I'd seen it before. I grew up. I mean, as I said, grew up with sisters. So you grew up with sisters and a mother, and then my was my my stepmother as well. So you just you just have a lot of these girly things around, and one of the very girly things is like old Hollywood movies. And uh, My Fair Lady came at that time, directed by Vincent Minnelli, father of Liza Minnelli, and married to Judy Garland. That that time of like Hollywood films where. It's kind of like how Marvel is now, actually. The, the biggest grossing films were the musicals, the big, big, colorful musicals. And mm-hmm. so they made just so many musicals because they would make a lot of money. When you auditioned, or you did audition, or did you just get cast straight up? I auditioned, actually. And the way that it worked was you had to go in for an audition, and then you went in for a second audition after everybody had sort of started rehearsals. But it was, even then, like, even though it's, you know, middle school, it's still fucking political. You know oh what I mean? God, it's yeah. still so fucking the, the political. The politics never end. No, and they, they start they, they, from they, the womb. Exactly. <laughs> they, they're consistent. They're never ending. So I did do an audition. I don't know how much you want me to go into it, but I was I was really serious. And actually, this is maybe um, going to go, go, in, brother, antithetical, go in. antithetical to what I was saying before about Bugs Bunny, that I think that I really liked Bugs Bunny, and secretly I was Bugs Bunny, but outwardly I was Laurence Olivier. I wanted everyone to think that I was this serious person. I want people to take me seriously. And I started acting early, and I always went out for the serious roles. Maybe a little bit funny, maybe a little bit charming, but not... I didn't want to do the stupid guy, right? And I, I just saw a progression where I was getting cast in these plays, the children's plays, albeit, but cast in these plays as just the dumb guy, the dumb fuck, you know, like the guy who's just the, the village idiot. I wanted to be Henry Higgins, the lead, and if I couldn't be Henry Higgins, I knew that was probably not going to happen because I was a seventh grader, but if I couldn't be Henry Higgins, I wanted to be Freddie, who has this gorgeous song at the end you probably heard of called On the Street Where You Live. On the street where you live. And I wanted to be that guy. But when I really thought about it, this was maybe the first moment that I realized that I could be a comedian because I thought through all the roles that I've been doing ever since like, you know, children's theater at the YMCA and stuff. And I realized I'm just a dummy. That's what people see me at. They want to see me pratfall. And maybe they want to see me have that little spark of intelligence, but then they want to see me get a pie in my face because that's extra funny. And so that was a moment that I realized I'm not going to audition for these other guys. I'm going to go for that part, played by Stanley Holloway, brilliant comic actor of the time, and I'll see if it works. And it did. Well, let's take a listen to this first scene, the introduction of Alfred P. Doolittle, and uh, the way you interpret this character, in my opinion, is brilliant, but we will hear that for ourselves. It does include the song with a little bit of luck. That's a laugh. You ain't been near her for months. What's that got to do with it? What's half a crown after all I've given her? When did you ever give her anything? Anything? I'll give her everything. I'll give her the greatest gift any human being can give to another. Look, I introduced her to this here planet I did with all its wonders and marvels. This lovely world with the sun that shines and the moon that glows. I'd park to walk through on a fine spring night. London to go about and selling her blue and flowers. I'll gives her all that, and then I'll disappears and leaves her on her own to enjoy it. 
Now, if that ain't worth half a crown now and again, I'll take my belt off and give her what for. You got a good art, Alfie, but if you want that half a crown from Eliza, you better have a good story to go along with it. I'm going to What a surprise. Not a prize, Baldy. Come on, Eliza. You wouldn't have the heart to send me out your stepmother without a bit of legal protection. Now, would you? Stepmother? Ha! Stepmother, indeed. Well, I'm willing to marry her. It's me that suffers by it. I'm a slave to that woman, Eliza. Just because I ain't a lawful husband. Come on, Eliza. Slip your old dad out the crown. Well, I had a bit of me own luck last night. So he asked. George, three glorious beers. But don't you keep coming around talking on off ground for me. Good night, Eliza. You're a noble daughter. You see, boys, I told you not to go. <laughs> it's just faith, hope, and a little bit of luck. Just a little bit. I do it for the love. I do. Yeah, so again, I'm uh, a 
kind of liked you, 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 you know, for, old apples and pears. For, for, and, being, yeah. for being such a young sprout. <laughs> the funny thing is now, like, if I if I was going to do that part, I think, if I was going to do that part again, I think I'd want to do it as, like, a Ray Winstone. You're like, like, Roger, I'm going to give you one more. <laughs> like, really dark, kind of like, oh, man, fuck you, Roger. Fuck you. I'm going to give you what for. I'm going to Roger. I'm Ray Winstone. I'm going to fuck you up. I don't take no shit from nobody. The more grizzled side of Alfred P. Doolittle. All right. All right. So the one thing we miss with just listening to the audio is the fantastic, colorful visuals. Oh, that, yeah. Because oh, I, yeah. I was given the honor of digitizing this, I uh, got a chance to watch you in your you know, 12-year-old prime <laughs> in this. What kind of garb? I don't even know. Could you please explain about what wardrobe was making you wear for this play? Yeah, I mean, it was all mothers who were brought on, and mothers of the kids who knew how to sew. And one interesting story was I was really obsessed with the idea that um, he would have a dustman's cap. So Alfred B. Doolittle, he is um, a, a, someone known as a dustman, but it's an English word for trash guy. He's just a trash dude. He's like, he, 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 oh, he, he takes out the bin. He takes out the bin. <laughs> so I'll take, your, take your little whittles and your little whittles and tea. No. Uh, he has what's called a dustman's cap. And what you see in the movie, as well as uh, any other versions of the show, is it's this like little cap. And it kind of looks like a pilot's cap. It's sort of a big old flap in the back. Just a big old flap. Um, looks like a Rastafarian a little bit when he wears it. But I saw that in the movie, and I said to um, I said to the I such a, I'm, I'm telling you, I was such a little pretentious asshole. I said to the director, "Can I get a Dustman's cap? You know, like I'm some fucking like Oscar winner. Like, could I just I just really I need a robe? And yeah. a Dustman's cap. Would you be able to provide me with a Dustman's cap under no expense of my own? And the uh, the director was my uh, history teacher, Mr. Rooney. Mr. Rooney was Mr. also Mr. Rooney was his name, and he also right. acted as the director. Oh my for... god. This dustman's cap looks ridiculous. Yep, right. I'm glad I have Google. It's like yeah, right? really Cheating. idiotic looking. Just like, <laughs> yeah, and it's useful, but it's it's the it's the kind of thing that the upper classes always make the lower classes wear, not because it's useful to them, but just because they like seeing the lower classes wear silly things. All right, clown, <laughs> now dance. Take out the dustbin and dance. I, I find that remarkably ironic, considering just how silly the upper class themselves look. One hundred percent. But they think they look. Fantastic. Mm. No, that's all that matters. Aristocracy. Yeah, right. they've got their right. own like with the, uh, the 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 guys in Wall Street who wear suspenders. I'm like, fuck you. I wear suspenders. Uh, <laughs> I wear suspenders for my wedding. So doesn't, doesn't... I can take suspenders oh, listen, for the right reason. No one judges you for anything you wear at a wedding. You realize no, that well, a wedding you know, never. Yeah, never. Like really tough gangsters and Gallagher wear suspenders. This is what we know. <laughs> <laughs> I do wear suspenders from time to time. Jim knows this. So your outfit was like, it was a red shirt and yeah, a yeah, black yeah. vest. Yeah, yeah, and it was like very. And Next, the cap. Originally, he said, "We can't afford that. I don't think we'll be able to get it." He's got a Boston Brahmin accent, which is this particular kind of accent that people in Boston have, especially the upper classes. John Kerry has one a little bit. Uh, the Kennedys all had it. Yeah, and it's just it's very, very almost English a bit. Talk, talk, you know, the Kennedy talking, but yes, you know, no, <laughs> talk about it like that. I'll tell you what was embarrassing about this recording was mm-hmm. that, um, and I was just uh, whispering this to Jimmy while we were listening to it, that I had a Mondo crush. 
on the girl who played my daughter. That's she awkward. Was an eighth grader. Bum, bum. She, she was, was taller than you too. Um, she was. She was way taller than I was. Yes. <laughs> go yeah, for it, man. Yeah, you know them tall. Uh, them tall I, I, I could not go for it. I was. I had zero game. I had less than game. Uh, That'd be a great name for a movie where a kid gets game less than game. Less than game. <laughs> <laughs> he had to learn game from the best. <laughs> like Michael Jordan somehow comes in. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna teach you how to play basketball and pick up women I, and grow little mustaches. I'll be honest with you, Jimmy. I was so uncool in middle school. I would not have known who Michael Jordan. Get was. out of town! You were not uncool have known in middle Ma- school. <laughs> <laughs> we got the tape to prove it. Actually, no, that's not true. When did Space Jam come out? Whenever Space Jam came out, that's when I knew who Michael Jordan was. It was like ninety six or ninety seven. You I know, think. it's too funny. Okay, so then we, I would have known who Michael Jordan was, but I might not have known like more about him than Space Jam. You know, what's the best yeah. thing about Space Jam. I was going to talk about Space Jam when we were talking about Looney Tunes before, and I didn't, and Space Jam suddenly made its way into the conversation anyway. It always, listen, I, tr- <laughs> I, I, circle, I will inject Space Jam into every conversation Somehow it I always comes. I would put some of my own money into a Kickstarter to get LeBron James to you know, Space Jam 2. Dude, Space Jam 1 was Somebody's so bad. Somebody's on the fence. Space Jam 1 was so bad. I wouldn't care. I just would not put money you into it. You don't need anything to make it. I mean, I'm not talking like real money. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm talking meta- space money. I'm talking about space meta- money from the monsters. <laughs> I'm talking metaphorical money on the radio money. <laughs> one, so one thing I actually noticed about this, it wasn't necessarily just kids. You oh, had a fair yes, amount of hoping, adults. I was hoping you were going to bring that up. No, there was one adult. Only one. One adult, and his name was Mr. Latham, and he was the art teacher, and we all loved him. He was just the nicest guy. He was the kind of guy who would just. I remember what he would say to us. You know, he was he was maybe the first big personality that I met that I just really liked a lot. He would just walk through the streets just singing. Everyone just loved him. 1989, I was six, seven years old, and the first play I did was very much integrated with adults and kids. It was the Woodstock Youth Theater, which didn't really make much sense why there were so many adults. But that said, I don't think there's anything wrong in having adults in the uh, but, but play. But what about but, just uh, one adult? <laughs> just I, the... I, I, that's where I'm going to go with that, is that I'm concerned as to why he had to be cast well, in it depends single-handedly. On the yeah, it depends on the solely. casting. Like, say if there was one role in the play, and like, you know, say you did Peter Pan, and right. you had, had Captain Hook, and he was right. the only adult, I'd get it. Because he's the only well, adult. In the Muppets, they do this, where it's like there's the, the all the characters are Muppets except for some of the key parts, which are humans. Okay, so why did he get cast though? Sorry, I want to get back to uh, that. It really just it was tradition. It was the kind of thing that just he did every play anyway. He did, every single year he was cast. There was just one musical in middle school, and every single year he was cast as one of the characters, and they would always have to think about which character would be most appropriate. But there was always one character that he played. Was it professionally videotaped? I don't. I don't imagine it, it was. I can yeah. tell you, it must have been from oh, my you think so? really because. Because the camera angles are legitimately cutting in different places. Oh, okay. That does not change the fact that you are as white as a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so professional camera, right, but not professional lighting and fuck not professional makeup. I mean, it's all mothers who are doing this. Did they put put eyeliner on you? They probably did. I remember remember they made my face really dirty. When I did a stage play the first time, they were like, okay, now we got to put the eyeliner on you. And I was just like, what? They were like, well, if you don't, I won't see your eyes. I'm like... Yeah, you'll see them. Was it the first of many or the last time that you did a musical for North and Over Middle or, or no, all the school sis- I district, I love that I you suppose. know the name because it's written on the front of the VHS tape. How did a North and Over Middle School? That, yeah. No, uh, for the school district, I guess, then. Oh, no, I, I did theater until I graduated. Theater, And I did theater and get in college. Um, yeah, until, musicals till yeah. I die. Well, this, the truth is I, I got out of the musical game pretty quick because, though I, I really do, and you guys may make fun of me for this, I'm a straight man who just loves musicals. I really do love musicals. There's 
nothing wrong with being a straight kid in musical theater. I mean, <laughs> you were going to be the minority for yes, sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. with musicals, because you have these giant casts, it almost ends up being an all-out orgy. Because, like, this just, you can disappear. Yeah. You can fuck one Let's... person one week, and then the next, we weren't well, fucking. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, hooking yeah, up. middle school ho- yeah. Hooking up was a big thing yeah. in The Wizard of Oz and uh, in Bye Bye Birdie, I remember. <laughs> oh, my Tell- God. There's something so sexy about I The would... Wicked Witch of the West hooking up with the Scarecrow. I no, don't know what I, it is, I, but I, I love it. I was the cowardly lion, but now I got myself some courage. <laughs> was there any fraternizing in this particular production? Oh, boy, was there. So uh, Tell me about this fraternizing so, that goes on. So, fraternizing. So uh, I told you already that I had a crush on, her name was Kendra. She, she played my daughter. And I had a crush on her. Nothing was ever going to happen between us. But I do know that she hooked up with the Henry Higgins from the alternate cast. There was an alternate cast right. that performed on Thursday nights. Right. What? And I think she, and it was middle school hooking up. Like, I don't think, yeah. like, under the shirt, maybe. Who actually yeah. knows who what Who knows happened? what's under that shirt? But, yeah, who knows what's under that shirt? Um, it's another shirt. It's another shirt. <laughs> it's, a, it's a souvenir shirt from last year's show. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking it home with me. <laughs> But I think there was there were rumors that she hooked up with him, which was kind of interesting because it wasn't her Henry Higgins; it was another Henry Higgins, and whatever. So you know, you, in, in middle schools, where you start to like uh, discover your body parts and stuff, and I've got just, legs. Just, just on your own, right? Yeah, legs. <laughs> you like legs? Ideas are. I remember that you, one of the other things you sort of discover is you sort of discover how you are perceived, and you know, you sort of start to see like, oh, Kendra's above my league, but. Kathleen, she's a, she's kind of old, you know, right? And there was a Kathleen, I'll tell you this, I won't say her last name, but there was a Kathleen that I thought was a little bit more my style, and she was pretty hot stuff, and she got hotter stuff the next year. I told you about Mr. Rooney, right? Uh, you did. Mr. Rooney! So Mr. one of the greatest things about Mr. Rooney was that he was such a big personality, and he also knew, more than anybody else, how straight and narrow and backward-thinking most of the parents in the audience were going to be. And that if there was anything that got into the show that was slightly above PG-13, he was going to have the show canceled. And so he would say to us, he would give us a lecture at the beginning of the year, and he would say, Because you're up on stage, you might think this show is yours. But this show belongs to Mr. Rooney. He would talk about himself in the third person. Like a fucking wrestler. We loved him. It was great. <laughs> Coming to the stage, the baddest man in Andover, Rooney, Mr. Rooney. And then he would finish the speech by saying, if you do anything on the stage or in the rehearsal room, under the level of standard that we've set up, I don't care if your grandmother is the Queen of England and your grandfather's the Pope, you'll be out of here sooner than you can say Jack Robinson. I don't care if your father is Mahatma Gandhi or and your then, father. And then he would sing. He would sing to us. He would go, oh, no. it's Rooney's Weedon time. It's Rooney's Weedon time. It's time to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye. And that was the song he would sing if he would kick someone out of the show. I think he would sing it probably <laughs> even amazing. on his own time at the in, in privacy, probably. Absolutely. Maybe he'd be like, he's doing some gardening. It's Rooney's time. <laughs> he's like, you know, the same way he's locking the door. He's like, lighting candles. It's Rooney's time. <laughs> And so there was there was this there was this pressure cooker situation where it's like you knew that uh, all the the dirty stuff. I mean, not even just like hooking up. We're twelve and thirteen year old boys, so like we're assholes. We want to talk about penises and stuff, and everybody knew what farts were. But we wanted to like also let everyone know that we'd seen uh, Caddyshack four times and quote it and and all that kind of stuff. But we had to say that quietly because if Mr. Rudy Art is talking about little penises, are talking about. 
out. Uh, 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 the, the, the scene in Caddyshack where he takes off her bra, blah. You know, that, we were going to get kicked out. Absolutely. It was just such a high-pressure situation to be a young preteen boy wanting to menace a little bit, but also have the mystery. And we respected him. We really respected him. We also wanted to be insane, bonkers little preteen boys. Oh, and oh, Kathleen. This is what I'm going to tell you about Kathleen. Yes. Okay, so Kathleen, she got real hot in eighth grade. You know, there's there's something that happens with teenagers, with preteens, between seventh and eighth grade, I, like I the know 12th it. and the 13th year. It didn't happen it's to me, but I know it. But most people... <laughs> there's a word for it. Uh, puberty. Pu- pu- puberty, right. Some, some happens exactly. But it's just, there's you just blossom, and she just blossomed. And I'll tell you this. She was uh, cast as the lead role in the musical The Eighth Grade Year. This is not my fair lady. We did the pajama game that year. And it became known during rehearsal sessions that Kathleen was the only girl we had ever seen known personally who had started wearing thong underwear <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and we found this out so we, we found this out because she told us she was the kind of person who wanted everybody to know and not only that not only that but if you asked her nicely and if she liked you she would take you into a dark corner of the theater, show it to you. Did you just bang into the mic, Jimmy? <laughs> I almost fainted. You almost. <laughs> and I remember. You heard it here too. I folks. knew that this. I knew this was the thing, and I never wanted to touch it. I was so scared of sexuality. I didn't understand myself. I didn't understand all sorts of things. But of course, inside you've got all sorts of things going on. You know, That's you're going the sound crazy. of Sam's. Penis. You're just like you're just like I want that thing. But then other guys are able to be so much smoother. Maybe those are the ones who are able to like you know ease into puberty much better. And I remember there was a guy Brian who not only asked her but was a repeat visitor to the back corner of the North Andover Middle School Theater. And this was the year that I realized how hot the pressure cooker was going to get. Because I don't know that Mr. Rudy knew about the back corner, but I think that he knew what kind of young teenage puberty people he was dealing with in this case. And he knew he had to control it. That's why the teachers are equipped with hot pokers. (laughs) Exactly. Away from each other! Away from each other! (laughs) So Mr. Rooney already knew that Kathleen was a hot ticket and that he was going to be able to control her. And the final night of the show, it ends with the two leading man and woman, and they say a thing at the end. It's a pajama game, and so they're dressed in pajamas. And uh, he's got the bottoms on, so his shirt is out. His, uh, his you know, manly form is out. And then she's got the, the top on covering her lady bits, right? And the way that Doris Day did it in the movie is they say, uh, married life is lots of fun, the man says. And the woman says, now two can sleep as cheap as one. And when she says cheap, she lifts up just a tiny bit of her top. And she shows just a little bit of panty, right? Just a little bit of panty, very risque for the time. Oh, Doris Day probably did it intentionally because she needed to um, smite that whole nice person thing. But of course, when Kathleen did it, they come out, he's wearing an undershirt because we can't show his nipples, and she's wearing a super long, almost nightgown. So she can't even really lift it up. But here's what happens. Come out, he says, married life is lots of fun. And she says, now two can sleep. And when she gets to cheap, she pulls up her top Sticks her little tushy out and shakes it at the audience, cheap as one. And the audience just is silent. Lights go out, little pause, and they start clapping. It's a 13, a 13 year old. Because a little 13 year old just shook her tushy at you. That's horrifying. And I, I swear to you, I heard backstage 
Mr. Rooney, just go. It's not that kind of a show. And then Rooney started singing his song. That's Rooney but it was the, time. It was the Rooney last night time. of the show and she was graduating. Wouldn't you do the same thing? We have to talk about marriage. <laughs> Why? Because that's the next clip. Oh, okay. So let's talk about marriage. All right. Let's listen to Get Thee to the Church on Time. As no mercy, Senator, spawn me in more misery. Me own flesh and blood. Well, I'm miserable, all right. You can tell him that straight. What are you talking about? What are you all dressed up for? As if you didn't know. Go on back to that Wimpro Street devil and tell him what he done to me. What has he done to you? He's ruined me, that's all. Destroyed me happiness. Tied me up and delivered me under the hands of middle-class morality. And don't you defend him. Was it him or was it not in the Senate letter to an old American blotter named Wallingford who has given four millions to found moral reform societies and tell him that the most original moralist of England is Mr. Alfred P. Doolittle, a common dustman? That sounds like one of his jokes. <laughs> you may call it a joke. Put the lid on me right enough. The bloke died and left me four thousand pounds in this blooming will. Oh, come on, Alfie. In a couple of hours, you'll have to be at the church. Church? Yes, church. The deepest cut of all. Well, why do you think I'm dressed up like a ruddy pallbearer? Your stepmother wants to marry me. Now, she's respectable. I want to be respectable. That's the way you feel. Why don't you give the money back? That's the tragedy of it. It's easy to say, chuck it, but I haven't the nerve. We're all intimidated. Intimidated, Eliza, that's what we are. And that's what I am, follow. And that's what your precious professor has brought me to. Not my precious professor. Oh, sent you back, Gazzy. First he shoves me in the middle class, then he chucks you out for me to support you. All part of his plan. But you double-cross him, Eliza. Don't you come home to me. Don't you take toughens from me. You stand on your own two feet. I rely you now and you can do it. Eliza, it's getting awfully cold in that taxi. I say, you want to come see me turned off this morning? St. George's, out of a spa, 10 o'clock. I wouldn't advise it, but you're welcome. No, thank you, Dad. Are you all finished here? Yes, Freddie, I'm all finished here. Good luck, Dad. Come on, Alfie. How much time do I have left? There's just a few more hours. That's all the time you've got. A few more hours before you tie the knot. There are drinks and girls all over London, and I have to track them down in just a few more hours. I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong, bells are gonna chime. Pull up. But get me to the church on time I gotta be there in the morning Spruced up and looking at me prime Girls come and kiss me Sure you'll miss me But get me to the church on time If I am dancing Roll up the floor If I am whistling Whip out the door And get me to the church 
get me to the church. For God's sakes, get me to the church on time. Very lively indeed. Ding dong, bears are chiming. And you know the worst part is our choreography was done by Mr. Rooney. And Mr. So, Rooney. So when we said the you term, right when we said it. ding dong, the bells are going to chime, we literally used our legs to look like bells. Ding dong, we like to ding dong, the bells are going to, because that's all that Mr. Rooney can come up with is, we're going to dance like bells. That's, I don't know how to dance like a bell, Mr. Rooney. <laughs> So you needed a more progressive school with some, like, you know... I know, it's almost person. avant-garde, right? It's almost like um, it's almost like Twyla Tharp, in a way. It's like just experimental dance, you know? <laughs> I want you to dance like a bell! <laughs> oh, yes. What does that mean? Listen, when you're doing a musical and you've got this choreography that you're supposed to do, clearly everybody is going to look silly all together. That is true. So as long as everybody does it in unison, you're all jumping down the cliff like lemmings at the same time. Before we wrap this up, we we have to know what ended up happening to Mr. Rooney. Uh, You know, God bless him. I have no idea where he is. I I hope he's still alive. I hope he's still with us because uh, he was just such a great person in my life. I think he's probably still living in North Andover back in my tiny little town. And the art teacher as well? I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so that they both are living, but I don't think that they, you know, they're probably retired, very retired. They were pretty old when they were working with us. What about the ladies? What about the what ladies? What about the ladies? Um, I, uh, I think Kathleen, Kathleen has there. a kid, and I see her on Instagram sometimes. She's living just a very normal life, and I'm glad that my life went my way and she went hers because we were not right for each other at all. Uh, Kendra, I couldn't give fuck all about because I think that uh, she was above my league anyway, so, you know, I, it's not gonna, never going to happen. Tall chicks, man. Yeah, <laughs> something about them. I actually am okay with tall chicks. I'll be honest with you. I like that idea. Do you talk about women at all in your sets? Do I talk about women at all in my sets? Um, he does a lot of feminist I do, propaganda I do it less jokes. The, I do it less these days because there aren't so many women in my life. Um, I really don't have a lot of heat right now in the, the romance department, so I've moved on to other things, but that's fine. You never know what's going to happen. Where can somebody uh, see your set, and what kind of stuff could somebody yeah, expect from yeah, your set? Yeah, I got some good stuff coming up. October 5th, I'm doing this cool show that's called Dunces and Dragons. It's a Dungeons and Dragons-themed comedy show. I don't know anything about it. I'm not running it, but... Um, I, I want to go already. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool? It's going to be an adventure. 
I think it will absolutely be. There's a, there's a dungeon master. It's going to be, like, uh, totally insane. And then I think I've got... So where, where usually people missile? can see me. I mean, if you want to come to Jeet Jet on Sunday night, I'm usually yeah. there doing a little bit of uh, experimental stuff. Jimmy and, uh, here so does host a, this open mic at Jeet Jet every Sunday at 9 p.m. Yes, that's the double the double promotion right there. Yes, Sam is a regular at the Jeet Jet. It's that's great. That's J-apostrophe eat, E-A-T, J-E-T, question mark. Jeet, did Jeet Jet. Great fries there. They've got they got poutine. It's like it's, I love that place. Yes, which is on 20th Street and Fifth Avenue yeah. in Old Brooklyn. Yeah, I um, wish they called yeah. it Old Brooklyn. Let's just add to old. Old Brooklyn. Old apostrophe Brooklyn. I'm from Old Brooklyn. So you got the Dungeons and Dragons. You've got uh, the Jeet Jet appearances. And then yeah. anything else? You yeah, got a website, no, a Twitter you yeah, want to plug? Uh, follow, follow me at, at Sam Zizi. Uh, that's S-A-M-Z-E-Z-Y. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Snapchat under those both. I do a thing on Snapchat where I pretend to be... Uh, I'm the king of Snapchat, you know. I like I do like a like a hey, bada bing, bada boom. Like I'm a member of the rap, rap uh, the rap pack, but I'm like on Snapchat. Right on. Um, snap, so that's a fun thing that I've been pack. working on. You can see me on Snapchat if you follow me there. Um, and you know what? If you have any other questions, uh, just find me in real life and ask me. That's I'm I'm very approachable. <laughs> very funny guy, Sam Z. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, and thanks so much, dude. Thank you out there for listening. My pleasure. Again, guys, you're listening right here to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Lost and Rewound signing out. My name is Jimmy. Hoffman. I'm Alon Danziger. Thank you guys so much. See you next week. for the rest of the session. Oh, like, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'll butcher something quicker than an actual butcher. <laughs> be that uh, be that talking uh, necklace. I'll, um, just, I'll just do the P.B. Herman slash Chevy Davis Jr. voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only real voice. You know, I never thought I never thought how close P.B. Herman was to Sammy Davis Jr. That's... <laughs> Today we That's were, amazing. T- t- ah, at- secret word is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing people saying name three fictional characters oh, yeah. that describe you. So my fictional characters, the first thing I could think of were Scully the skeleton and Jockosaurus the dinosaur. <laughs> and then Dan Zoni, the necklace of the star of David that talks like a mix, so mix you- of Louis, <gasps> Louis Armstrong fucking Sam Jr.